0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, fifth chapter, verses 1 through 11. It's going to begin on page 1084 in the Pew Bible, at the very bottom of the page, and we'll continue on to page 1085. Again, that's Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Here ends the reading of the word of the Lord. Let us go to God in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So this scripture we just read, if you've never read it before, it's a bit shocking. No one comes expecting that in the early church within the first days, someone comes to give an offering to the Lord. And then when Peter calls them out about their offering that dead. Immediately there, there wasn't. Time for anything else to happen. And the fact that Luke even includes this in the book of Acts of the Apostles and about the early church lends credibility to what everything else he writes as a historian because he's not painting the church with these rose colored glasses and saying it's all hunky dory that we're all okay. In fact, what Luke does by telling us this story here in the beginning of the church is he points out that in 2019, when the common The common problem seen within the church is hypocrisy. Luke points out it was there at the very beginning. That even at the beginning, the church had sin within it, and there has not been yet a perfect church. Scripture also testifies to the fact that Jesus is coming again, and when He comes again, He will create a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. And then we will be glorified, and we will reach our fullest potential, in which right now we're in sanctification process. We're being made holy. It doesn't mean we are holy. Holy means perfect. We're being made holy, and we will be glorified, and so will His bride, the church. But until then, we're a gathering of sinners called from the world to God who have been forgiven by Jesus, who through grace and process are being sanctified daily. Hypocrisy existed in the early church, and does it still exist today? Yes, it does. But that's not what makes this scripture so shocking, is it? None of us are shocked by the fact that there would be someone in the church who would say they're going to do something and lie about what they did. We wouldn't be so shocked to find in the church that there happens to be someone who is committing active sin. Oftentimes we begin to look down when the preacher says active sin and say, he's not looking at me, he is not looking at me, he is not looking at me. Don't make eye contact. We're not surprised by any of that. That's not the shocking part. What's shocking to us, and and, and almost leans on the offensive, is that this is after Jesus' death and resurrection, in which while we were yet sinners, Paul writes, Christ died for us, proving that God loves us. And so what's shocking for us is the swiftness and the severity of God's judgment in this world. With Ananias and Sapphira. That's what's shocking. What about grace? Where is the forgiveness? Well, first, let's look at the facts. Of what's really going on. Let's, let's do some investigating as to what is going on in this early church. And we can turn back to chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And there's the baptism of the 3,000 that day. And they're asked, what do we do in response? Repent and be baptized. And then it says that they submitted to the teaching of the word and the authority of the apostles. And they had everything in common. No one had need. It would later say that no one said any of the things belonged to them, but that they were gods. And in fact, when it says that, it's because they were of one heart and one spirit, the scripture tells us in chapter 4. And it tells us that there wasn't a needy person in this church, in this new community. There wasn't a needy person for as many as were landowners, the scripture says, sold them and brought the proceeds to the apostles' feet to be distributed as seen fit. But Luke doesn't start there. He continues on. Last week we heard the story of Barnabas who whose real name is Joseph Barnabas is the nickname given by the apostles because he was such a son of encouragement. He was heaped on praise for what he was doing within this community. And so the fact that there are wealthy people and people in need together in community, and yet they are not compelled, they are are not commanded to go and sell property and give, but they do it on their own volition... But it's clear that those that are are getting some sort of praise, some sort of accolades. And then, and then Luke says, verse 1, word 1, chapter 5, but, but a man named Ananias together with his wife sold a piece of land. That's what the scripture tells us. And then it says that with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back some for himself. What it doesn't tell us, but what is implied in this story, is Ananias and Sapphira either made a promise before selling their land that they would give the full amount to the church, or that upon selling the land after keeping some back, what they gave to the apostles, they said, this is what we sold it for, and gave everything that they said. Because we find when Peter is questioning Sapphira, and he says, did you sell it for so much? And she goes, yeah, we sold it for so much. Peter's given her a chance to repent, a chance to be convicted in her sin and her lie and the hypocrisy of of wanting the praise of the people and not doing it just simply because God had called them to. They were distracted by being applauded by men and women of the age. See, Paul writes later about it in his letter to Galatians when he talks about the gospel there in chapter 1, and he goes, but I'm no man pleaser. I'm not doing this for applause. For this is done for the glory of God. For if I was doing it for applause, there's many other things we could say and do. Ananias and Sapphira Could see the way Barnabas and others were treated for their generosity. They too wanted to be recognized for it. They weren't giving out of pure motives so that the community wouldn't be in need, but rather so that someone would say, That's awesome, good job. Jesus speaks about this too that when we give, not to let our right hand know what our left hand is doing that our offerings aren't to be public spectacles. Peter says, when he's questioning Ananias, their property was their own. And when they sold it, the money that he had was his own. He says, was it not all yours? You, you weren't commanded. You weren't told you had to give this certain amount. Why did you lie? That's the first question. Why did you let Satan in your heart to compel you lie. Peter isn't concerned that they kept back money. Peter isn't concerned with that. He's concerned with the lying, and he's clear about it. It's not lying to Peter and the apostles. It's not lying to the members of the church. It's lying not before man, but to God. And in the in the Greek, this word for kept back, it's important. It's only used two times in the New Testament. And, and the closer translation is actually to mean to steal, to misappropriate, to embezzle. It's later used in First Timothy by the Apostle Paul, and he says, steal. It's translated to steal, which helps us understand that they knew what they were doing was wrong, that there was a lie before the church. But the scripture says they stole. They lied about their sacrifice. Peter isn't concerned with the stealing. He says you didn't have to lie. You have not lied to men, but you have lied to God. Verse 5, when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young man rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. And after an interval of three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out immediately. She fell down at his feet and breathed her last, and when the young men came, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband, and great fear came upon the whole church and all who heard these things. See, this is the shocking part, the offensive part, because of the swiftness and severity of God's judgment. And so oftentimes when through the ages, when we've read this and interpreted and, and it says they, they feared all who heard this story had great fear and people in the church had great fear. And what we do to alleviate fear in 2019 is we try to explain it differently. Well, maybe Peter laid a curse upon them. No, the scripture didn't say that. Uh, Maybe they they died immediately because Peter, it's, it's quite distressful being in this new church and you get called before Peter, and then Peter calls you out on your lie and he just puts undue psychological pressure on you that instantly you pass away. Luke would have told us if that was the case. Luke, the way he writes, intends for us to understand the sudden deaths of Ananias and Sapphira as God's judgment upon them remember, the sin isn't in the selling of the property. The sin isn't in the keeping. It's in the lying. It's in the dishonesty. It's being confronted and not repenting. It's the trying to hide their sin. See, in the story of Ananias and Sapphira, we can begin to remember Adam and Eve and the garden. And they too sinned and then they tried to hide it from God as well. We can't hide it from God. We think we can. And we do our best to hide it from each other, from our spouses, from our family members, from fellow church members, We think we're hiding our sin. But as we sang earlier, the light of Jesus has come into our heart and scripture testifies that Jesus is the light and darkness cannot overcome it. And so when Jesus comes into our heart, all those dark places where you think you've hidden all your sin, guess what? He turned on a light switch. There's no dark place to hide it from the Lord. But our response when we're called When it's called out in this grace and process of sanctification. And Jesus says, what are you going to do with this sin? I found it over here in the corner. What are you going to do with it? The scriptures tell us to flee from sin. To flee. Run away fast. The apostles call us with John the Baptist and with Jesus, into repentance. See, repentance looks a lot like fleeing. It's the turning from the spiritually bad and running to the spiritually good. Fleeing, trying to escape the bondage of what has held us and pursuing with all of our might that which we might attain. They didn't do it alone. It wasn't Ananias and Sapphira acting alone. When Peter confronts him, he says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie? And if we've been paying attention in the book of Acts, we will notice that Satan began attacking the church from the outside. Persecuting the Christians, bringing Peter and John before the Sanhedrin council, asking them, trying to get them to shut up on sharing the gospel and the resurrection of Jesus. Satan has been attacking the church from the beginning, and that did not work. And so he said, well, I'm going to attack as well from within. So he began getting a hold of people within, and he says, why have you let him lead your heart to lie? Jesus talks about in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 44, he says, the devil is the father of lies. Again, if we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, every word out of the mouth of the serpent was a lie. And it has been every day since. And as we continue reading through Acts, we'll see that Satan hasn't stopped attacking the church. Persecution continues. Sin and lying continues within the church. And here we are in 2019, and that's good news because it means the devil does not win. Because God is for us. Who can be against us? In a few short weeks, we will celebrate Easter in which Jesus overcame sin and death. We serve a risen Lord. We serve a Lord who was tempted by Satan and rebuked him and turned him away. And he has great power and he lives in your heart. And the scripture says, but while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Proving God's love for us. John Stott tells us that as Christians, when Jesus comes into our heart, it's running time to run from our sin and to pursue holiness. But again, the scripture is still shocking. None of anything, none of any of what I've said today has made this scripture less shocking, less fearful. Because I understand. You read this scripture and you think, they lied about an offering. Pastor, I've done so much more. If you knew all of my sins, I don't. But as I said earlier, Jesus does. And the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, with our faults, our frailties, Christ died for you, for your forgiveness. Yeah, but pastor, it's it's so much worse and I can't possibly be forgiven. And I'm here to tell you, if what Jesus accomplished on the cross couldn't forgive you of your sins, Jesus did not need to die on the cross but that the cross is powerful. His death is sufficient and supreme for all forgiveness. There's no sin too big. And just as Pastor Chris said, there's someone here that needs to hear this today, that you are valuable despite the dark places and the sin in your life. Christ is in the redeeming business. The restoration business. Because the other person in this story is Peter. And if we remember, Peter denied Christ when Christ was amidst his trial. And upon his resurrection, he restores Peter into right relationship. And it's through his death and resurrection, you're coming to faith in him that he too has restored you to right relationship with God. We get God for all eternity. But this serves as a warning. We're going to be confronted in our sin. And when we do, don't try and hide it. But run from it. Because the reason Jesus is shining the light is so that you'll know where to go. Amen.